This is the Bible in One Year Express, day 356. Purity and power. Christmas at HDB is usually one of the biggest events in the church calendar. There are usually around 50 musicians in the orchestra and 90 in the choir, all members of the congregation volunteering their time and gifts. I'm not at all musical. In fact, I'm virtually tone deaf. However, I'm always stunned by the beauty of the marvellous music and singing. It's a foretaste of heaven. The Apostle John writes, And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of rushing waters, and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne. The heavenly orchestra and choir will sing a new song before a heavenly audience. John goes on to describe the completed church in heaven, their purity and their power. The two are connected, as Pastor Rick Warren has tweeted. In ministry, private purity is the source of public power. From Proverbs 31 The sayings of King Lemuel, an inspired utterance his mother taught him. Listen, my son. Listen, son of my womb. Listen, my son, the answer to my prayers. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It's not for kings, Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine, not for rulers to crave beer, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Purity and the powerless. Leaders can't afford to make fools of themselves. King Lemuel was a leader who'd been given wise teaching by his mother. She'd warned him against impurity and intoxication. These can ruin your life. They can leave you forgetting what you should be doing and deprive the powerless of their rights. Instead of using your power to indulge in self-gratification, use it for good. Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Who are the voiceless in our society who cannot speak for themselves? Who are the people that you and I should be speaking up for? They will surely include the following. First, the poor. About 10% of the world's population go to bed hungry every night. Every few seconds, poverty takes a child's life. Today and every day until we act, thousands of children die of avoidable diseases or because they live in poverty. Millions under the age of five die every year. Over half of these early child deaths are due to conditions that could be prevented or treated with access to simple, affordable interventions. They are the poor and destitute. Second, the enslaved. There are probably now more slaves globally than at the height of the transatlantic slave trade. Human trafficking enslaves millions of people around the globe, many of them under the age of 18. Slavery is a terrible injustice. Speak up for justice. Third, the unborn. Those in the womb have no voice of their own. 
The journalist Nigella Lawson, who describes herself as pro-abortion, has written, If anecdotal evidence is anything to go by, and I suspect it is, abortion is becoming more and more a value-free post-factor alternative to contraception. Yet few people have the courage to speak up for the unborn today who have no voice. Both the prisoners, many around the world, are in prison unjustly, and even those who are in prison justly are often treated inhumanely. But the vast majority are in no position to speak for themselves. Lord, help me to speak for the voiceless, judge fairly, and defend the rights of the destitute, the poor, and the needy. New Testament from Revelation 14 Then I looked, and before me was the Lamb, standing on Mount Zion, and with him a hundred and forty-four thousand, who had his name and his father's names written on their foreheads. And I heard a sound from heaven, like the roar of rushing waters, and like a loud peal of thunder. The sound I heard was like that of harpists playing their harps, and they sang a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders. No one could learn the song except the 144,000 who'd been redeemed from the earth. These are those who did not defile themselves, for they remained virgins. They follow the Lamb wherever He goes. They were purchased from among humankind and offered as firstfruits to God and the Lamb. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. Then I saw another angel flying in midair, and he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, Fear God and give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. A second angel followed and said, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. A third angel followed them, and said in a loud voice, There will be no rest day or night for those who worship the beast and its image, or for anyone who receives the mark of its name. This calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes! said the Spirit. They will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Purity and Proclamation It took my breath away. Jesus, the Lamb of God, stands on Mount Zion with his 144,000 followers with him, his name and the name of his Father inscribed on their foreheads. They represent the completed church worshipping together. The five-fold description is one of complete purity. They are redeemed from the earth by the blood of the land, have kept themselves pure and undefiled, lived without compromise, follow Jesus wherever he goes, are purchased and offered as firstfruits to God and the Lamb. As St. Paul writes, we were bought at a price. <laughs> 
are people of integrity. No lie was found in their mouths. They are blameless. It is not coincidental that the vision of the pure church is followed by a vision of the proclamation of the eternal gospel to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language and people. This is the calling of the church to proclaim the good news of Jesus. This is represented by the first angel. The second and third angel show what humanity needs to be rescued from. Everyone needs to be rescued from the corrupting influence of Babylon the Great, which made all the nations drink the maddening wine of her adulteries. They also need to be rescued from the beast who wants to put his mark on the forehead and see them tormented. The good news is that no one needs to have this mark on their forehead. We, the people of God, need to proclaim the good news that every person can have the name of Jesus and the Father's name written on their forehead. You are called to patient endurance, obedience to God's commandments and faithfulness to Jesus. Get the message out. So many people lack peace. There is no rest, day or night, for those who worship the beast and his image. On the other hand, there is no greater blessing than following the Lamb. Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. Lord Jesus, help us to be pure and undefiled followers of you, people of integrity, who know we have been redeemed and bought at a price. Help us to proclaim the eternal gospel to every nation, tribe, language, and people. Old Testament from Ezra 8 and 9 There, by the Ahava Canal, I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. So we fasted and petitioned our God about this and he answered our prayer. Purity and prayer. Are you facing challenges ahead in your life? Ezra was facing the huge challenge of leading the return journey to Jerusalem and the rebuilding of the temple. He had to lead a company of 5,000 people, including women and children, on a four-month hazardous trek through uninhabited regions while carrying vast quantities of money and precious objects. Ezra wisely began with the leaders, so I summoned leaders and men of learning. Leadership was a key to the fulfilment of Ezra's vision for return and rebuilding. The fulfillment of almost every God-given vision requires these three things. First, everyone praying. Ezra was a man of prayer. Before he set out on the journey, he proclaimed a fast. They all humbled themselves and asked God for a safe journey. God heard their prayer. So he fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Second, everyone giving. I weighed out to them the offering of silver and gold and the articles that the king, his advisers, his officials and all Israel present there had donated for the house of our God. Third, everyone serving. Then the exiles who had returned from captivity sacrificed. They also delivered the king's orders to the royal satraps and to the governors of trans-Euphrates who then gave assistance to the people and to the house of God. 
God blessed them in every way in the rebuilding of the house of God. But in spite of God's faithfulness to them, the people were not faithful to God. They did not keep themselves pure. It was not so much the fact that they had intermarried, but the fact that they had polluted themselves with the detestable practices of the nations around. The leaders and officials had led the way in their unfaithfulness. Ezra, by contrast, gives us an example of not taking sin lightly. He's absolutely devastated. When I heard all this, I ripped my clothes and my cape. I slumped to the ground, appalled. He fell on his knees with his hands spread out to the Lord and prayed a prayer, which it may be good to pray for ourselves and for the church today. Oh, my God, I'm too ashamed and disgraced to lift up my face to you, my God, because our sins are higher than our heads and our guilt has reached to the heavens. From the days of our ancestors until now, our guilt has been great. Because of our sins, we have been subjected to humiliation. Yet as with the people in Ezra's time, so it is for the church today. Our God has not deserted us. Lord, help us to be pure, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, to speak up for the voiceless, proclaim the eternal gospel to the nations and rebuild the church in our cities and nations. Pepper adds, In Ezra 9, we see that there is quite a strong reaction to marrying people from other countries. It can't only be because they're foreigners, as Ruth was a Moabite. She is an example of faithfulness, and David was one-eighth Moabite. It must be because of their detestable practices. As Solomon was corrupted by his wives, Ezra must have seen that the influence of these women would destroy the faith of God's people completely. 